All right, reading from John chapter 3, we'll read from verses 1 to verse 21. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to the heaven, but he that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You may be seated. I greet you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who uh, God sent uh, to uh, make a way for us to come to him. I'd like to talk about this morning uh, that God is light. Now, we have in the first chapter of John, if you want to turn there, going to read a portion of that. It says that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And i uh, just like to talk a little bit about the beginning, uh, you know, uh, Brother John Lewis uh, last Sunday reminded us that we are people of the book, and uh, our uh, intention is to live by the book. Now, we have a book here that uh, where we have a message from God and it tells us here in the passages that we're looking at that uh, that God uh, the word here is uh, referencing to Jesus Christ and uh, God in creation uh, placed man in the Garden of Eden and there's where uh, man began, but because of uh, their 
um, disobedience to God, they were barred from the Garden of Eden. And uh, after that, uh, we have the first uh, prophecy that is given in the Bible in Genesis 3.15, where God... Uh, God uh, said that he would bring uh, relief or maybe I should uh, should have read that verse in uh, Genesis 3.15 there right after they were uh, barred from the Garden of Eden and he says to the, to them If I, um, in verse 14 and 15, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all, all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon the belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. He says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, if we wouldn't have any other verse, uh, any more information on this, it may be a little difficult for us to understand what he's saying here. But he is saying that he's going to, that he has a plan where he's going to uh, redeem man and buy back man. And of course, uh, God in uh, a period of about 4,000 years uh, gave little bits throughout the course of time of how he's going to uh, redeem man by the blood of his own son. Uh, as the son gives his own blood for the price of that redemption. And, uh, and as I said, throughout history, uh, God's story is, uh, reveals a little bit at a time. And of course, when we come to the place then when... Uh, when uh, he reveals more specifically how this is going to take place, uh, uh, we hear more and more, and he reveals himself. Now, there's something about God, you know, we don't know anything about God that he has not revealed to us. And uh, I was... Uh, we talk about the uh, progressive revelation in his book, in the Word of God, how in different times he reveals a little more, makes a little more clear how it's going to be. And, uh, but also, I had uh, a discussion with a man that had converted it from... Uh, from uh, Southern Baptist to Mormon. And uh, I began asking him some questions about uh, their belief. And they have this where uh, they put stock in a man by the name of Joseph Smith who had claimed to have seen... Uh, gold plates that had come from heaven. And so I asked him, I said, uh, uh, are those gold plates someplace where I could see them? Or I said, have you seen them? And he said, no. He said, they would be much too sacred for that. He said, that is something that we must believe by faith. 
And my heart almost sank. And I thought, how would I want to put my faith in something that has never been verified? As far as we know, Joseph Smith would have claimed that probably nobody else saw them but him. And so, uh, because the book, God's Word, tells us that it, everything has to be verified by two or three witnesses. And we're not to uh, accept what is given us by one person without any witnesses. And so I'm glad today that we have something that we put our trust in that has taken place by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the Bible gives us multiple witnesses that saw Jesus after his resurrection. And Apostle Paul talks about above 500 men at one time. And uh, then uh, the book of Acts is, uh, starts out by saying the testimony of many witnesses. And so when I talk about that we have here in this book, a revelation, a progressive revelation, we also say and believe that we have a complete revelation in this book. And the complete revelation is Jesus is from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, he was from the beginning and... Uh, Continuing to read in uh, John, uh, the first chapter, it says, All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. God is light, and when God comes into our life, we receive light. Uh, verse 5, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. You cannot have darkness and light together. You either have one or the other. And then in verse 9 it says, that true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, the world was made by him, the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, it, if we go back to, uh, to uh, the first, to first John in the first chapter, he talks about that light, and he says that in uh, first John, the first chapter. Uh, in verse 5, he says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, when Jesus was talking to uh, Nicodemus in uh, 
the third chapter that was uh, just read here. And he was... uh, Nicodemus, I think, was a man that was seeking... Now we don't uh, we don't have any record in Scripture of uh, anything that Nicodemus did wrong, and so uh, uh, Jesus addresses him in what he knew, and uh, he told him that uh, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, a man, a person that is not, is not uh, born of the Spirit is living in darkness. And he doesn't, the light just doesn't come through. Now, I don't know how other people's experiences are. I remember very well the day that, uh, that uh, Jesus came into my heart. And it was like, all of a sudden, there was light. Things I hadn't seen. And I had read this book uh, many times. I knew a lot of the stories of the Old Testament and the things that led up to the coming of Christ and of the crucifixion. And I thought, uh, when I'd read the crucifixion, I thought, well, now that was a terrible thing for them to do to this innocent man. Never realizing that he did that for me. Now we have here in the third chapter where uh, we are told that, um, that uh, yes, Further to Nicodemus, there he says that uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, for who did he do that? Are we satisfied that he did that For all of us and all people, I think of uh, the passage in 1 John uh, 2 where he says, These things have I written unto you, little children, that ye sin not. Now he said, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And he says, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So as we're here together this morning, are we satisfied that he did that for us? I'm talking to those here in the front benches and throughout this whole building. And yet it goes out beyond that. To the whole world that God so loved the world that he gave his son for us, all of us. And so, uh, here, further to Nicodemus, he said that uh, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Now, further on, he, uh, in the next verses, he talks about uh, this condemnation. Uh, he says that uh, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he, he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed the name of the only begotten Son. Now, how is this that God has provided? There is a light 
there is a way to come to God. And this passage tells us in verse 19, he says, This is the condemnation, that light came into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And they didn't want to come to the light so that the evil in their hearts would not be exposed. And so the wonder of wonders is the fact that the condemnation, God had, did not come here to condemn us. He came here to show us a way where we can have forgiveness of sin and we can live in joy and peace. And I think, uh, you know, the scriptures tell us that very, very clearly. Now, I have said before, and I, I, I think I'm correct in saying that if, if I picked this saying up from an evangelist that was here a number of years ago, soon after my conversion, and he, he told us at his closing, closing of his message, he said, if there is anyone here that will spend eternity in hell. It will not be because of any sin that you have committed. But it will be because you have not accepted the pardon that is given, the offering of the Lord Jesus Christ on, uh, on the cross. And so, if... Uh, if we feel condemned, uh, we are invited to come to the light so that uh, we can have peace and joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we look at the story of, uh, of this book, God's story where he tells us that there is a way and God, Jesus Christ, went to the cross because he loved us. And he had a way to redeem us and for, for us to be able to, to understand that and to be able to follow him, we must give our lives under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Say yes to him and do what he asks us to do. Now, the, the marvel of it all is that uh, when Jesus was yet here, he was telling his disciples that he's going to leave them, but he's going to send a comforter which is the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, after the resurrection and after the ascension of Christ, uh, God sent his spirit to indwell those who believed, those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And in the absence of Christ living on this earth, we have something that is in a sense greater and that is that he has sent the spirit to indwell us and to guide our lives and to direct us where we should go. It's like uh, the Apostle Paul says that God has called us unto liberty but he tells us that we should not use our liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And uh, further on, he talks about 
what we do in the flesh in, the, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, and he talks, of, uh, uh, at the close of that chapter, he talks about how that uh, there is the fruit of the spirit that is living within us is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And he says uh, so much that uh, against such there is no law. But the interesting thing about this is that that package of nine things that the Holy Spirit does for us and guides us into cannot be produced in the flesh. There's a whole list of things before that that uh, is listed as the works of the flesh. And that's what we do in our flesh, in our desires. But the verse following the fruit of the Spirit says something like this. He says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the lusts and those things that go with that. We have put those off and we don't, we don't follow that. And I think for myself that the fruit of the Spirit is something that I can go to when I have an encounter with someone else and I want to know how did I do? Did I stay calm? Did I have peace, love, and joy? Or was I maybe a little upset or angry? And uh, of course, you know, I would wish that ever since I had that uh, awareness that I could say that I've always followed that. But I, I, somehow I can't do that. But somehow God is wanting us to, uh, to have joy and peace in this life only. Now, uh, John Lewis had a message a couple weeks ago. I was listening to it. We weren't here. And he talked about some things that, uh, you know, we do when we are led of the Spirit. Like, uh, for instance, uh, uh, the Hebrew writer says something about that we are to follow or pursue peace and holiness with all, all men. And he says that uh, without that, no man can see the Lord. Now, we say that's quite an order, and it is. It is. But the, the marvel is that God has provided and has indwelt us through the Spirit to keep us and to guide us into those things. Uh, trying to get the verse in, uh, in Titus where he says that, uh, that uh, the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And, uh, you know, there it says, uh, you know, we think of godliness and that when we enter eternity in, in Jesus Christ. But here... We are told that there is the grace of God uh, uh, provides for us uh, that we can live uh, 
soberly, righteously, and godly right now here on this earth. And I trust that we are aware as we're here together this morning that uh, to, uh, to live godly and to come to know God through Jesus Christ is something that has to take place here on this earth. While we are living here, there will be no changes made after we leave this earth. And because the decisions we make whether we're going to, to walk in the light or whether we're going to walk in the flesh has to begin while we are yet here. And uh, along with that of uh, living godly in this present world, we are looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Now, I uh, realize that uh, sometimes that wording there, talking about a peculiar people, is not talking about being odd or different. Well, we're somewhat different. But it's talking about being a special people to God as we come to him in Christ Jesus. And so, uh, these are things that uh, we learn by the Spirit of God and he's the one that directs us to that. I'd like to uh, think a little bit about this, uh, the light of God in our life and what it shows us and how he reveals to us that he has provided for us redemption by his own son. And... Uh, that is, that is accomplished by the fact that he gave his life and gave his own blood for us. And so, if we would go, you know, all the Old Testament prophecies are uh, really fulfilled in Christ. And the whole... 4,000 years when God was uh, talking to his people through the prophets, uh, through uh, the book of the law and all that, were all pointing us to that that would come when Jesus uh, comes to this earth. And of course, uh, he was here. And we have uh, the accounts, and we know a lot of it. But there's something about that we, uh, as we keep reading and studying, we see more and more. I'm glad today, and I thank God, that I was taught to read the Bible. And uh, we... Uh, uh, I don't know uh, how it would be if we wouldn't have this and if no one would have taught us. So I thank God for the mentors that I had in my uh, early walk with the Lord. And uh, I'd like to uh, kind of highlight this. If you want to turn with me to the book of Revelation. And uh, in the first chapters, uh, how that God uh, reveals himself. And, of course, he was giving this to the Apostle John to write. 
so that we would have it and would be able to comprehend a little bit. Now we have the um, in chapter 1 verse 8 it says that uh, uh, I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the ending saith the Lord which is and which was and which is to come and so everything here that we uh, experience everything in our desires to follow the Lord is an encouragement for us and I don't know how we can best convey the message that God from the beginning now when uh, when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed him and they were cast out of the Garden of Eden and I'm not quite sure what all that meant for them but there's something there that we are told that, that God took them out barred them from the Garden of Eden so that they would not eat of the tree of life and live eternally. I think it means uh, live eternally in a lost state. And of course, uh, we have this that uh, he, um, in the book of Revelation and later, it talks about uh, how that we will have access to the tree of life there. But I'd like to look in uh, Revelation 4 and 5. And it was uh, in chapter 4, and I'm just going to uh, talk about the four living creatures and how they had in verse 8 of chapter 4. And uh, each of them had six wings about him and they were full of eyes within they rest not day and night saying holy 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 Lord God almighty which was and is and is to come now I don't know uh, have you ever been in a place where they had background music playing kind of to bring a calm atmosphere something like that and I have wondered uh, with the references we have of this this uh, holy 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 as if it almost seems like it's something that is constant like a background music and uh, everything is right and then it says, when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. Uh, the 24 elders fell down and uh, before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. And it uh, seems like here... Uh, in these two chapters, John was given a scene from uh, around the throne. The, begin the first verse in chapter 4, uh, John is writing, he says, I, I look and behold a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of the trumpet talking with me which said, come up hither and I will show you the things which must be hereafter and uh, so I don't know is this a foreshadow uh, of something that uh, when we will hear the trumpet sound and uh, 
God will say, come up here. And uh, he shows us these things. Now, in the fifth chapter, then there is uh, something coming up here, or a book that is sealed with six seals, or with seven seals, sorry. And uh, no man in heaven or in earth, neither on the earth, was able to open the book neither to look thereon. And John writes, I wept much. There must have been something very traumatic about this book that John understood maybe just a little bit of. I, and uh, so then uh, it tells us that uh, One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And everything, all attention seems to have been drawn to this. And uh, so they, uh, let's go down to verse 9. It says, They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the beasts or the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. Now you can add that up on your calculators or maybe even on your phones. But then he goes on and says, and thousands of thousands. I don't know how we calculate that. And what were they doing? They were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever Excuse me. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped, liveth forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now I rambled kind of briefly through a lot of this, but uh, the end result, the beginning, we were separated from God through disobedience and unbelief and all that. And uh, when Jesus then came to this earth and he was willing to die the death of the cross. And uh, uh, see, how does the Apostle Paul put that? Where he says that uh, he was obedient unto death, even unto the death of the cross, and uh, so on. Now, <clears throat> what does that, what does that mean for us individually? Somehow we were separated from God, and I don't know, uh, our experiences have probably been 
basically all different. In our coming to the light, I was uh, almost 30 years old before I realized that Jesus Christ died for me. And I just feel and felt very keenly at that time that I wasted many of my years. And uh, I uh, am very, very grateful for many of our youth today and many of our children that come to know the Lord early in life. And uh, they learn to know Jesus and they learn how to live for him. And they have many good experiences. And so, now we, ha we are here. Jesus gave his life for us. And he, uh, he wants us. I think it would be right to say that throughout this book, throughout the scriptures... Uh, God always had the well-being of his people in mind. And he, he gave them instructions. If you want to have an interesting reading, read the book of Deuteronomy and mark down how often... He tells them something that he wants them to do. And he says, I want you to do this so that it may be well with you and that you may prosper in the land, that you and your children may prosper in the land. And that message was given to them just before they crossed over Jordan. And there when Moses, Moses was addressing them and he told them that God will raise up another prophet uh, like him from their people. And uh, he said, I want you to hear him. And that was referring to Jesus Christ and you know several times was at his at his uh, baptism and then again at his uh, at the transfiguration where a voice from heaven came and those that were present could hear he said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear him and I think that message is here for us. And um, just a, uh, something that has taken on new meaning to me in just my recent studies is found in Luke 22 where Jesus was talking to his disciples and was encouraging them and he knew that he's on the way to the cross, to his death. And uh, there in the upper room with his disciples, he, uh, he uh, had like a, uh, a Passover and a communion time with them. And he says in verse 19, uh, maybe I should back up. A little bit here uh, in verse 15 he says he said unto them with desire I have desired to eat the, this Passover with you before I suffer for I say unto you that I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God and I think that's an indication that when we all get together we're going to have something similar to this. And I think we're going to realize in a way that we won't realize in this life how great 
and marvelous and wonderful this is that we can be part of a group that's been redeemed by the blood of Christ. Now, uh, here, Jesus to his disciples, it says that he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, take, eat this, this, and divide among yourselves. And I say unto you that I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. He took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And verse 20, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood shed for you. All of us together. And I think in what I see in this, uh, how that uh, Jesus did this for all of us together, and I think this is going to add to my appreciation when we share communion together. May God richly guide us and may we together be able to find joy and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved the world. He gave himself for us so that we can live a fulfilled life here in joy and have eternity with him and all the saints. May God bless us. We're going to kneel for those who can and thank the Lord. Our God and Heavenly Father, we bow before you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with all adoration, praise, and honor and glory to you for so great a plan of redemption which you have wrought for us. And so I pray, dear Heavenly Father, that somehow we could be encouraging each other here on this earth while you keep us here that we could together serve you faithfully and together encourage one another in the greatness of your grace and mercy that you have uh, revealed and that you give out to us day by day. And so may your name be honored and may we be able to uh, be following you till you call us home. We trust you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.